Yeah, that soccer show is proud to be a part of the Soccer and Sweet Tea Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Go check out all the great coverage of soccer in the Carolinas at soccer, the letter N, sweettea.com. This is Yeah, That Soccer Show. Your one-stop shop for all your soccer coverage in Greenville and the upstate. We want this show to be driven by you, so make sure you send us an email at yeahthatsoccershow at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at YTSS Podcast. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Yeah That Soccer Show, episode number 51. And today we're going to look back on the Greenville Triumph's first ever home match, a 2-1 victory, first ever victory in team history. And it was a match with a lot of drama. If you remember in the preview show for this matchup, one of the things I mentioned that I thought was going to play a factor in this match was disciplinary issues. I talked about how many cards Ignite got in their first match and how few Greenville got, and boy, did discipline play a role and a factor, uh, not just in-game, but post-game and going forward. We'll talk a little bit about that with some uh, rather unfortunate events that went down, if you haven't heard. Um, But if you didn't get to check out the interview we did with Stephen Short on the podcast episode number 50, go back and check that out at some point this week. It's a tremendous conversation with the guy who's over the league and he talks about uh, expansion. He talks about things he's impressed with, with Greenville and with other teams around USL league one. He really did not back down from any questions we asked him. So make sure you go check that out if you haven't already, but without further ado, let's get into breaking down the match from Saturday night. First match in team history, first home match in team history. Before we talk about anything that happened during the game, I just want to walk through my experience as a fan, as a journalist, uh, going through the match myself for the first time. So I showed up, uh, I had recorded the interview with uh, Stephen Short at Growler House uh, just before I went over to the tailgate. Got to the tailgate probably around 4.30-ish. Um, got to park in the Reedy River Riot parking lot. It was a super smooth, easy transition. I'll tell you one thing I was not quite prepared for that didn't affect me but may have affected some of you is that they actually shut down the street there, uh, Bramlett Street, in front of Legacy Field to just for people to be able to go to the ticket booth, to be able to get in. And I know the parking lot's right across the street, but I I think it might have been a minor inconvenience for some not knowing it was going to be happening. But ultimately, I think it's a really good move for folks at FanFest, folks at the tailgate, folks just coming into the game, walk-ups. It it was really kind of nice to not have to worry about traffic, not have to worry about, you know, waiting to cross while cars weren't coming through. Um, it It was super fun. So I got to the tailgate there. Like I said, around 4.30, there was already a really good crowd there. The Reedy River Riot was cranking up the grill. They had tons of food, tons of coolers. Uh, Everything there for members is 
part of your, it was free. The food was free. The drinks were free. Um, obviously they had a big jug there to, to throw in some tips and some, some extra money and all that's going to do, I'm sure going forward is, is fun things like more food, um, more TIFOs, more activities that the team is going, that the supporters group is going to be doing going forward. So if you manage to come out and eat and enjoy it, Hey, throw a couple bucks in that, in that jug. That's not, uh, it's not going to kill you. And honestly, you're getting to eat. It's, it's much better value than what you're paying anyway. So, um, but so I enjoyed my time there. got to, I filmed a little bit of some folks just kind of mingling. And then, um, once fan fest cranked up at five o'clock, walked over there, checked out the, the triumph car, which is super cool. If you haven't seen that in person, it really is. It really is incredible. I mean, it's incredible what the Irwins did there to, kind of get that branding down to get that car, but also just the, uh, the customization on it. It, It's And the gradient paint job is just, I mean, it's incredible. The thing is really cool. So they had that, they had a soccer darts going, they had a band, had face painting, they had a big slide out there. Uh, there was a food truck out there. There was a beer, uh, I don't know how to, a beer stand, uh, in some, in some sense, and, uh, and then of course they had a team store out there, which, uh, they had really sweet inaugural home match summer scarves. If you didn't pick one of one of those up, man, you really missed out. Those are, those are pretty scarves there and, uh, seemed to be a lot of people there pre-gaming, whether it was at the tailgate or at the fan fest. Um, there was certainly a buzz. There was, there was an excitement and people were there way well before kickoff to hang out and get, just get to experience the atmosphere of the first ever match. Fast forward to about 6.30, the Reedy River Riot folks marched to the stadium. And I tell you what, for a first-time group and, and their first march to the stadium, it went off without a hitch. Looked really good. Seemed like the... You know, obviously the team wants to make sure that everybody's got a ticket and everybody's scanned and nobody's bringing anything they're not supposed to bring it in. So I was worried, you know, how's that going to stop the flow of the march? But it really didn't. It really didn't slow it down too much. They did a good job of staffing that well and making that seamless as possible for the supporters to get into the stadium. Got into the stadium. Uh, the supporters went to their section. I... Uh, went down to the field to take some pictures, to do some video before the game. And I was not quite expecting the team to come out the way they did or where they did. I was at midfield over on the, where the most on the side where most of the stands are um, and didn't realize they were going to come in in that corner. So I kind of got stuck out in no man's land uh, during the, uh, during the starting lineup introductions back there in the corner with the pyro and everything. But that was kind of a neat atmosphere very felt very pro sport um that's one thing i will say the game day experience was very very top tier um and it was just i don't know it was a really cool experience so uh i will say in terms of how the stadium looked the stands were incredible the setup with you know the porta potties and the bathrooms kind of spread out the way they were um concessions spread out the way they were the team stores spread out the little beer garden was really, really nice. It's kind of incredible to realize and remember that all of that is temporary. Everything that's there was not there. The press box was not there. None of the stands were there. The beer garden was not there. Nothing. I mean, it was really just the field and that's it. And so they have done a great job of 
laying out the infrastructure for the game day environment. And one thing I will say that I thought was interesting, they it's the first Stephen short said they're the first team in USL league one to have the led boards and they looked really, really good. The thing I didn't quite understand. I mean, I guess I understand they're on the opposite side of where most of the people are sitting. So most of the people that are there live in game are going to be able to see them. However, they are underneath where the camera footage is. So people watching on the stream on ESPN plus are seeing the static signs that are on the, the side where the benches are and the players are, so they're not getting to see that, that really cool led uh, signage, which I think was, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer there is, but that's ultimately a decision the team made. I will say too, in terms of gameplay, the led signage is very, very close to the sideline. And so I know I was down there in one of the corners when uh, Paul Klaus was taking a throw in and he has the ability to throw long throw ins into the box. And he was trying to line up to do that and just really didn't feel like he had the room to get the momentum he needed to do that. That, you know, obviously is a deterrent. That's going to make it harder for him to do that. It'll make it obviously both teams are dealing with that. So I don't know uh, if that's something the team considered when they pick the placement for those, if that's something they'll consider moving um, but it's very tight over there on that sideline. Um, so let's get into the actual game experience, the actual game atmosphere. Um, thought everything looked really good. Thought the crowd was raucous. You know, it took everybody. There was a good crowd there at kickoff, but I think people continued to pour in. And uh, probably by about the, the 15th or 20th minute, it was pretty much everybody was in. And once the sellout crowd of over 4,000 people was there, it was raucous. And Jake Keegan even said in his post-game press conference, he said, this wasn't your moms with kids coming to watch a soccer match. It was a raucous crowd. It was a crowd that lived and died with every touch of the ball. They knew what was going on. Um, it was kind of incredible. It was really a really cool, cool atmosphere, I think, for um, for both fans who have been waiting for this for a long time, but also people that showed up maybe for the first time. I think that experience, that game day experience, the crowd being what it was, and also the win and the way that the win happened is going to be something that I think is going to bring some casuals back to more matches in the future. And so I think that's ultimately good for the team. It's ultimately good for the growth of the sport in our city. And uh, I think that's that's a, a testament to everything that the team and the organization did to make that uh, experience as great as it was. I said over in my recap at gvlsoccer.com that this is, I think a lot of people would look at this game and this match experience and say, this is lower division soccer at its best. And I would say it, it's not that it's not lower division soccer at its best. This is really soccer at its best. I mean, this was, this was one of the best soccer environments I've ever been in. And that includes trips to Atlanta to see Atlanta United. That includes watching uh, Chelsea and PSG play each other in the international champions cup. Um, it includes being down in Charleston to see the battery and, and Carolina challenge cup. I've been to plenty of soccer environments on many levels and all of them almost higher than the USL league one level. And I can just tell you that uh, this rivaled everything I've ever experienced with the sport. And so I think, again, that's just a testament to what this team has done. So besides the atmosphere, what else looked good from this game? Um, I will tell you 
the formational flexibility was something that I was really excited to see. I know that's one thing we talked about last week was this three five two that the team has been running and they ran it in the preseason. They ran it in the first game there with Tormenta and ultimately, you know, they might have shifted a little bit more into that four two three one, but they were trying to stick to that three five two, five three two formation with Cameron Saul up top, Sammy Gadiri kind of even pushing up top a little bit, and Jake Keegan out on the left. And so when the lineup came out and Jake Keegan was going to be playing that central striker role, I was actually really excited. That was something I had mentioned on the podcast, mentioned in my articles over at gvlsoccer.com, that this was, I thought, potentially a great move to help with the team's finishing woes. And it it paid off, ultimately. It, it Keegan getting the first goal in team history. One thing that I wasn't super sold on at first was Chris Bermudez started the match over on the left side, the left wing. He did so well on the right wing last week that I couldn't, I was kind of unsure about what was going on. Obviously Edmundo Robinson got the start for Greenville this week uh, in a, a, a new starter to the lineup and he looked good. He looked good down the right. Um, I don't know that he looked good enough that I would have flipped Chris Bermudez over to the left because ultimately Chris was kind of uh, neutralized while he was over on the left. Now, ultimately, after a little while, they wound up flipping. And once they flipped, you really saw the difference. Uh, Bermudez was able to open it up a little bit. He was able to get some, create some good chances there with his play. I think the <laughs> if you're watching, if you went back and rewatched the broadcast or if you were watching the broadcast on ESPN Plus, at the very top of the show, the commentators said that Chris Bermudez had gotten all the love from all the podcasts. I don't know if they were talking about, yeah, that soccer show, but if they were, hey, appreciate the shout out. That was great. I know that he was one that we had raved about last week. So um, I don't know. That was kind of, I got a chuckle out of that one. I went to rewatch the match. Um, anyway, I say that the, the flexibility, I think, looked good. The 4-3-3 looked good. It played more of a 4-2-3-1 for most of the match. Um, I think your defenders uh, did exactly what you wanted them to do. You, to. you still had Pollock and Pollitz pushing up high there on the wing. And one thing you saw that was very different from the Tormenta match is that from the very outset, Greenville was pressing very, very high. We talked about in our preview that the Lansing attack was one that I was really interested to see how they would do against Greenville's potent defense because they they have one of the best attacks in the league. And yet early on, I don't know if it was, you know, jet lag from, from the trip down to Greenville or if it was really the press that was breaking down their ability to really attack Greenville's side of the pitch. They really did not get a lot of possession there early on and really throughout the match. And ultimately they, when they went down a man and then two men, there was no chance they were going to be getting much possession there anyway. But Greenville, even, even after the goal they let in, we'll talk about that briefly, but they didn't, they never seemed to back down from that press. Now coach Harks made some adjustments when people got red cards and numbers changed and situations changed. But ultimately, uh, it did not seem like that press was – he didn't go away from the press. It seemed like that was something they either recognized was going to be something they wanted to do going forward or whether it meant uh, that's just a weakness they noticed in Lansing's defense and they wanted to press into that pretty heavy. Another thing I thought looked really good for Greenville 
just their grit. I mean, this is the second time in two weeks that the team has given up a goal on a counterattack, a play that broke down where they were pushed really high. And last week it happened so late in the game, they really didn't have a chance to come back. But you saw towards the end of the game, they had plenty of good chances. They were creating that fight to not just give up. And then this week, obviously, same kind of thing, able to come back and score the the game tying goal and then ultimately the game winning goal uh, later on in the match. So I want to talk about a few statistical high points. Obviously, the team had 62% possession. Uh, I think that number might be a little skewed because of being up a man and even two men for a little while towards the end of the match. But again, even without that, they really were dominating the possession and at least being on the Lansing side of the field for most of the first half and early in the second half, even when the the numbers were even. Um, One thing that concerns me a little bit, the dual success rate, they, this is, two weeks in a row that they seem to give up the ball in the midfield a lot. They don't, they don't seem to overpower their opponents. Um, The midfield to me seems to be, I know we talk about the finishing, but the midfield seems to be a little bit of a weak spot for Greenville, not the players in the midfield, but just possessing and pushing through midfields when other teams are really strong there. That seems to be something we struggle with. Um, Had a lot of, a lot of, crosses this game i i think this is really the crux of the attack that greenville does they and we've talked about this pushing up the wings crossing the ball in the box and looking for jake keegan cameron saul sammy gadiri whoever's going to be in the box um i think keegan again i've ranted and raved over how great he is at finishing those kinds of those kinds of chances but uh this match lansing four crosses is how many they had Greenville had 23, 23 crosses uh, in this game. And I think that just tells you a lot about what they are trying to do. 23 shots, 12 shots on target. Um, That's seven shots outside the box, 16 inside. Greenville just really did a good job attacking this match. And I think part of that was the high press. I think part of that was, you know, once Lansing went down, that helped. Uh, but here's here's one of the big worries I have. Clearances. <laughs> Greenville only had three clearances. Now, granted, part of that is they didn't let Lansing get get to the place where they needed to clear the ball. There were a few times when Lansing had the ball in the box, and Greenville, the, the defenders seemed to struggle to clear it out of the box. They would hit it, or they would just kind of not, not clear it as quickly or as efficiently as maybe needed to happen. Um, but they only had three clearances recorded on the stat sheet and Lansing had 21. And that just tells you the reason I think this game, if you're watching this game, if you watched it, Lansing was really lucky to get out of this two, two, one. I mean, I think this game could have easily been five, one. There was just that much good offense by Greenville and that much really good defense by Lansing to help keep them out of the net more times than they scored. Uh, Michael Kirk, their, their goalie had the game of his lifetime. He's a smaller guy, but man, he had some incredible saves. He's nominated for save of the week and he really kept them in this game for most of the time, um, all the way through. So aside from those things, I think, I think some of the things that need improvement for this team, uh, finishing is still an issue. Now they did a lot better this week 
obviously had two goals and even had some better chances that aside from some incredible goalkeeping play and some incredible defensive play would have gone in. Not all of it was finishing issues. Some of it was just good defense. Um, I think there were a few times where you saw some finishing that could have been a little better perhaps. Um, I just think that's something the team needs to have on their radar. I'm starting to get not concerned is not the right word. I'm starting to be more and more interested about why the team's roster is only at 18 people and three of those being goalkeepers. I notice in rewatching the match, you know, we're obviously in submitting an 18 man lineup. Most teams have a starting 11 and then seven subs, uh, one being a goalkeeper. And so that's every team in the league has that. And Greenville only has six subs because you're not going to have two goalkeepers on your sub list. So we're only having a starting 11 and six subs. We're only having a, a, a 17 man lineup, essentially. Um, that is a little concerning to me as the season wears on in terms of depth. We don't have a ton of depth. I think the depth we have is very strong. We just don't have a lot of numbers. And so I'm wondering if this team's going to fluff out and fill out a little bit over the coming months. I hope so. I hope, like I said before, I hope they've got their eyes on some guys that they're, they're hoping are going to drop down to them. But, um, that's something that I would like to ask coach Harks or the team at some point, if I get the chance, cause I really do, uh, I really do see that being an issue going forward, especially with us open cup about to crank up. I mean, you're going to have midweek games in between Saturday games and you're going to need some depth and rotation. Another obvious area of improvement for this team is their susceptibility to counter attack goals. I'm not sure what the solution is there. It's it's counterintuitive to praise the high press and then say, yeah, but we got to worry about counterattack goals. I mean, I think that's, you seemingly can't have both and you can't be a high pressing team and then also prevent against counterattack goals. Like that's how you, that's how a team defends against a high pressing team. You, you wait for the, you, you almost bunker in, you wait for the counterattack opportunities because you know, that's where they're going to be vulnerable. Um, but both goals that the team has given up this year have been on counterattacks. So I think that's something that the team needs to address. Coach Harks need to, needs to address whether that is, hey, maybe we don't press so high or maybe the press just looks different or maybe it's driven through our central midfielders and our strikers and, and maybe your wingbacks are playing a little bit further back and, and being more defensive. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is there. I don't know if the formation is, an, is a solution um, it, it'd be interesting to see because I know Coach Harks mentioned it in the in the post game, he, and we'll play some clips of that here in a little bit. But uh, I know that's something he's obviously aware of, and something that he wants to uh, to address going forward. So, um, so we're going to take a quick break right here and let you know that Brad Butchkowski is the official realtor of Yeah That Soccer Show. Uh, he's been a sponsor from pretty much day one here. You can find all of his listings and how to contact him over at brad.selling-greenville.com, and he will take good care of you, and we appreciate him continuing his sponsorship of Yeah, That Soccer Show. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and let you hear from Jake Keegan and from Coach Harks some audio clips that they had in the post-match, and then we'll come back and I'll give you the man of the match and tell you all the other important info you needed to know about the victory over Lansing Ignite. First up in the post-game press conference was striker Jake Keegan. First question asked to him was, Jake, how did it feel to score the first goal in team history? 
I feel great. I mean, we were shut out last week, even though we had a few chances, and then I thought we had some chances in the first half. And then going down a goal again, we knew it was important to get the goal, and because they would have they would have sat back late in the game, and getting that early in the second half really made a difference for us. Jake was asked how he felt about starting up top at striker as opposed to out on the left wing last week, and how it impacted his style of play this week. Uh, personally, I see myself as a, as a striker, as a, as a goal scorer. So, I mean, that's where I feel most comfortable. I'll play wherever John asked me to play, obviously. And uh, I enjoyed it tonight. Jake was asked if there was anything he wanted to say to the fans who came out tonight to watch the victory. But I'd like to thank all the all the supporters that came out. I mean, it was a great atmosphere, and I've said it. I've said it to a bunch of people here now, but... The atmosphere wasn't that of like a of parents and their kids. It wasn't sit on your hands. It was a rowdy atmosphere, and we really it definitely made the difference for us tonight. So thank you for from my teammates to all of them. Jake was asked how he feels about the season going forward. Uh, I think anytime you start something new, new club, it's good to get get off the board, get on the board, first goal, first win. So I think we have the talent here to do some good things this year. So hopefully we can build on tonight. We also had a chance to talk to Coach John Harks after the match, and here are some of his thoughts from the game. Yeah, um, just a little bit of ex- excitement. Um, I think uh, it was great to get the first home opener. I think we worked extremely hard during the preseason, and um, a lot of that hard work and the work ethic that we took to the training is actually really starting to see that fruition uh, come to fruition on the pitch tonight. Um, a little bit of um, a challenging game, certainly in terms of, you know, uh, referees decisions uh, but overall I just love the commitment from our guys the execution in the final third and uh, the resilience that they showed you know to actually push through into the final third and get the goals. Coach was asked about what you say to your team after a victory like this. Yeah I'm going to tell them to like I told them beforehand um, you know that we we always base everything on on character Um, we don't put pressure and and stress on players to to go out and win games we just tell them to make sure that they're focused on, on the work that's being done on the training field and then see if they can carry that out um, during the game situation. I was very extremely proud of them to get the first uh, game um, as a win at home in a club that's building from scratch. It's fantastic. Um, so I'm happy for everybody involved in the, cl- uh, the club, our, our team, um, our staff, uh, the ownership group, uh, and of course the fans. We can't do this without the fans. So tonight's attendance and support is absolutely incredible, and it really pushes on to victory. Coach Harks was asked about going down in the first half and how he led his team to a comeback victory. I just think it's, it comes down to um, self-belief. Um, we're able to kind of look at the areas of development that we need to correct and, uh, you know, we're just constantly pushing these guys to believe in themselves and to go out. They're hungry. They know that they can do it. Um, certainly that's part of the adversity of a game that sometimes you're going to go behind. Um, but, again, that, that, that self-belief, that resilience, that, that comes from the culture within the group. And they, they stuck together and they pushed each other on. And that's what we're all about in a Greenville Triumph. We're trying to push that on. Again, it's going to be tough every game. There's not going to be one easy game in this league. It's a very dedicated, high-level uh, performance from each, each team that you see. And it's going to be really tough. So it's, we're going to get a lot of those games. Coach was asked about the sellout crowd at Legacy and what impact they had on the match. Yeah, it's a great question. I think we, we constantly talk about that, uh, that 12th man, um, that 12th person, really. I mean, the support is everything. When you have crowd uh, attendance like this tonight, when you sell it out at home in your first time, and the first time at pro soccer is in Greenville, um, it's a special feeling because you're part of history. And win, lose, or draw, um, you're actually, you should be proud of yourselves that we were able to get this far. And the, the crowd atmosphere, just from 
the buzz in this week building up to the game. Around town, uh, on the outskirts of downtown in Greenville, in the upstate, people are traveling from everywhere uh, to come see this game. We have people coming over from Atlanta to see us play. So we love the support. We love the commitment from them, and uh, we can't do it without the crowd. They're fantastic. Coach Arks was asked how things will be different with a few home games in a row here coming up. Yeah, I think, you know, from a planning uh, perspective, you know, certainly going away from home is always going to be a challenge in the adversity. Now the boys feel a little bit more comfortable being at home and, and being on this turf and the surface. Um, from our pers- perspective, it's more about familiarity, making sure that we know that this is our home. And uh, so the, the build-up throughout the week is going to be important that, number one, we take care of our bodies because uh, it was a huge physical effort that was put out there today. From a mental capacity, too, I think the guys stayed focused and, and they were alert um, and they went through the adversity. So taking care of themselves, making sure that we stay razor sharp and focused on, on what the prize is, and that's really it's a long season. So there's going to be a lot of games and ups and downs, and we've got to deal with it and fight through I asked Coach Harks about the switch from the 5-3-2 to the 4-3-3 and whether or not that was a result of last week's performance or whether it was looking more at something Lansing did that tipped him off to that being the right thing for this match. Um, it's a combination of both, actually. Um, we, we look at what Lansing were able to do away from home uh, in Richmond, and um, you know they went 3-0 up in that game, ended up 3-2. Uh, they tried to press high with the, the three. I thought Alex Bruce didn't play tonight in the number 20, which he played last week. So we made a little bit of an adjustment with a 4-3-3. Um, we wanted to make sure we got a little bit more width in the pitch at home. I thought in the first game away from home, we kind of lacked that in the high positions of the field. Um, so we made the adjustment, and the guys responded pretty well. And look, we go down a goal, we got caught in a counter. That's something that's a bit of a concern of mine because it happened in the first game as well. So we got to make sure that we're tight there. we got to get our shape right and our discipline on the transition part of the game. If we could do that, I think we're going to clean it up and just move forward. So there you have it, the post-game interviews with striker Jake Keegan and head coach John Harks after the match on Saturday. Uh, One more thing, one more piece of business to wrap up the game, and that is my man of the match. Hey, look, a lot of people looked really good on Saturday, but there's only one way to go here. First goal in team history, striker Jake Keegan. He's got to be the guy to give the man of the match to this week. Want to talk about one more thing before we get out of here, and we will be back later this week with a game preview for the match on Saturday versus Chattanooga Red Wolves at home. Today, Wednesday, the U.S. Open Cup matches, the first round matches were announced. Greenville will be hosting the very first game in their U.S. Open Cup run this year, and we got a tough draw. We are the only team playing another professional team in the first round And we will be hosting our old friends down from Statesboro, Georgia, South Georgia Tormenta FC. We'll be traveling up here on May 8th. That's a Wednesday, I believe, at 7 p.m. That's going to be fun. I don't know. I haven't been able to confirm if those tickets are included in season ticket holder packages or if that's going to be an additional cost. Uh, I'm not positive about that. but hopefully we'll get an answer to that in the next couple days. Either way, it's going to be a good time and you should make an effort to do that. It's the, it's the oldest and biggest tournament for soccer in the country. And it's a huge deal because if we make it through, we'll be able to play USL championship teams. Potentially we'll be able, if we keep going further, we may even be able to play MLS teams in some later rounds. So it is definitely worth uh, getting excited about because this is what having pro soccer means. Uh, you get to be in USL Open or US Open Cup, 
Um, so that's coming up on May 8th. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this recap episode. And we will be back again later this week with a preview episode for Saturday's matchup at home at Legacy Field at 7 p.m. on Saturday versus Chattanooga Red Wolves. Until then, we'll catch you later.